Welcome to the Thrive with Omu podcast, where each week I'll chat with an amazing entrepreneur on their growth journey. They'll be sharing this with us to help and encourage us to take that bold step. Hello, guys. Um, it's another Friday, and I have with me here Drosella Mogorewera. Did I pronounce it right? Yes, you did. Awesome. Awesome. Um, she's a diversity, equity, and inclusion coach. She's an author. She's a mom. Um, I'd let her take it from there. Drosella, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you, my friend, Omo. And uh, my name is Drosella Mugorewera. I live in the uh, United States of America. Uh, I came here as a refugee in 2009 from Rwanda and um, had uh, a path. I didn't see my children for two years. And I didn't see my husband for a year and I didn't talk to my family for a year. And I'm grateful that America gave me a chance uh, to live and serve. As a mother, uh, you can imagine uh, not seeing your children for two years. And my youngest daughter was uh, 12 years old. Oh, wow. But through... Uh, prayers, perseverance, and trust in God. And of course, when uh, I arrived to America, I had some friends, I had to build new relationships. And thankfully, America facilitated a family reunification. The journey was very painful uh, because when I fled, like my life was in the hands of two strange men. Did you say, did you say fled? I fled, uh, yes, I fled Rwanda because I came as a refugee. Oh, so I was wow. uh, I was forced to flee because my life was in danger. But I didn't have any direction when I went through Uganda and then Kenya and let alone United Nations High Commissioner of Refugees uh, gave me a refugee status and facilitated my resettlement in the U.S. Awesome. That must have really been a difficult journey. It has been that must a, have been a really difficult journey. Yes, it was very difficult because my daily routine was just um, uh, prayer, shower, and eating for oh, nine wow. months. Yes, I, I was hiding for nine months. Goodness, is it something you can share? Is it something you feel comfortable sharing, or should we move to other things? No, uh, you know, I. I I share the story because it can help other people to hear. That's, it can that's also, a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because in um, some people also do not understand the refugee journey. Uh, when you are a refugee, you are not. Um, it's not a choice. Uh, you escape uh, persecution based on race, religion, ethnic appurtenance, or political opinion or you are escaping wars and violence. So um, because of my opinion as a former politician, you know, uh, my ideas were not always welcomed. So some of the people saw me as an enemy and then uh, I didn't have any other option rather than to flee and find a, a safe place where I can continue to live. But it was very difficult. If it was not for faith, and trusting God, I do not know how I could make it. So, how did your um, how did your 
family that you left back in Rwanda? How did they cope? So um, it it was painful. I heard later that uh, like my children were asking if mom was alive. And uh, sometimes uh, the siblings would say, yes, she is, even if they didn't know uh, my situation. But uh, now I have um, siblings. I don't know how they are. Um, so now I decided to be the citizen of the world. I pray for them and uh, I'm trying to impact, uh, make impact locally, nationally in the U.S., but also globally because uh, educating people about refugee life, diversity, and building trust between authorities and communities. Um, this is where my passion is now. And uh, hopefully one day I will see them again. That's that's um, that's really tough, but um, I'm happy that you've reunited with your husband and your children at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so this journey must have affected you psychologically and you know mentally. How did you deal with it? And now I know you're successful. You, you've, you've kind of stabilized. You have a, a regular job. You're doing a lot. I know that you're doing a lot. You didn't get there in a day and it just wasn't easy. And I'm wondering, how did you get there without your family support, knowing that you don't even know what's going on with your immediate family because they're not there with you? You're alone. The fear that you're a refugee. How did you deal with that? So... First of all, I can say that um, faith is my superpower. Uh, I I was praying hard. uh, And then I just surrendered to God and I say, God, for example, I say, God, my children are yours before they become mine. My husband is yours before he became mine. So I surrendered and I asked him to undo the nuts uh, which in the barriers uh, and obstacles, so we can be reunited. When I got to America, it was not easy. Even if I had experience as a former member of parliament and government, so my first job was like nine six dollars and fifty five cents an hour. I did accept it. It was shocked. I was shocked, but I said I don't have another option. I have to yeah, be it was my own. Better than yeah. nothing. Yeah. I say I have to be my own rescuer. So besides leaving my faith, I also forgive the people who participated yeah. or contributed to that's, my oppression. That is very important, forgiveness, because a lot of us live with bitterness and then it causes us diseases that we don't know where it came from. Yeah. And then I build new relationships. So relationship building, um, and networking is my second superpower. Awesome. Uh, so I, I started to make new friends. Um, and uh, one of the friends I met who introduced me to the business world, my friend Sue Carney, I did meet her uh, through network marketing. So, and then I continued to make many friends. Another um, thing that helped me was um, reading and investing in myself because I have to learn about my community. I had to learn about the new culture and um, that uh, contributed a lot uh, to the personal development and uh, building trust. Um, 
in the community. So I had to learn new skills and uh, taking some trainings and uh, and here I am, including so public speaking. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so what now do you do? Okay, mm -hmm. go on. I'm listening. Sorry to interrupt. So uh, after being executive director for Bridge Refugee Services, the agency that welcomed me in 2009, I led it for six and a half years. And then I felt a bigger call to work with um, police department. You, you, you know the tension between the police and the minority communities. And then um, uh, I wanted also to support African-American and the refugees and immigrants. So I said, just working with refugees is not enough. And I had a message to the world. I said, let me, through public coaching, public speaking, coaching, and training people. I want to see how we can embrace diversity at all levels because we have different skills, talent, and gifts. We can apply. Sometimes you feel like, especially women, they are in the workplace, they are not promoted. So I want to work uh, with um, leaders and decision makers so we can see how they can champion diversity in action, not just say, hey, we are pro-diversity, but how do you put those things in action? How? What is your commitment? What is your mantra? What is the strategy there? And also, I think um, I want to help people to do that in a friendly way, because sometimes people, when they hear diversity, they're terrified. But yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not, you know, as um, complicated as it can be. And people can take baby steps. You know, yes. you can start one from one step Mm. One day at a time. And then I did write to contribute to a book. Uh, awesome. What's it leaders, called? Leaders with a Heart. Oh, nice. So it is on Amazon. Um, and I did share my story with other 11 uh, co-authors. And I, I do strengthen uh, the power of forgiveness and uh, how the young generation could learn from other practices because... Uh, in America, sometimes the generational trauma and poverty is something I want to contribute to heal the society and the community in the whole world. Because I do believe that if we have support, uh, diverse and strong communities where people support each other, uh, we can have sustainability and uh, we can develop and collaborate and grow together and thrive together. Thrive so together. Awesome. Can you, in a few sentences, um, tell us the refugees' journey? Because, you know, um, I hear about these refugees, even in the UK, it's a big, it's a big thing about mm -hmm. the refugees. They have the settlements and the accommodation for them. The, um, what is it like, really? I mean, while you're being, while you're a refugee, do you work? How does it affect you psychologically? Um, so the refugees that, like? yeah. United Nations High Commissioner of Refugees, after proving, showing uh, the reason why uh, you, you, you become a refugee, because you leave your country to go to a second country. And then now, uh, for example, in my case, I felt insecure because being in Uganda or Kenya, uh, as a 
public figure, it was not, people will recognize me. So I did ask for the resettlement in a, in a far country. And then uh, after you get the refugee status, uh, you get a chance to be resettled. It's just 1% of the millions of refugees who are here and there. So there are countries like America who committed um, to the Refugee Convention. They help you uh, with housing. So you have case managers uh, who will welcome you at the airport and then show you an apartment where to live. They will help you to find a job. Of course, uh, many jobs when I came, they were just entry-level jobs. Um, And then... um, they help you with uh, Medicare, uh, medical uh, support, and uh, uh, it's a, a self-sufficient program. Normally, they have to help you to be on your feet. On your and uh, I wanted to demystify also, uh, like their myth, we say that refugees are taking resources for citizens. What is not true, it's a humanitarian program. Like you and I, if we had to free now, you know, we would have one close on us. We don't have money. We, we need yeah. shelter. We need water. We need uh, essential uh, services. So, but when they help you to be on your feet, afterwards you sustain your family and you give forward to the welcoming community. But the journey is um, very difficult because many of those refugees, they saw some um uh, of the family members being killed, so they have trauma. Wow. You have to to deal with that trauma, but uh, we have also behavior and medical uh, services. So when the case managers uh, enroll people, they also uh, do medical and behavior health screening so they can see how they accompany you uh, uh, mental health-wise. Um, so I wanted to say that here in the U.S., um, Refugee resettlement is an economic model uh, that people can watch and see how through resilience and the hard work, refugees make it and uh, it can be an economic model for low income or other marginalized uh, populations and to help them to learn the language as well. There are English as a second language uh, opportunities. Okay, so tell me something, uh how did you feel going from being a member of parliament, because, I mean, I'm a Nigerian, I'm an African, I know what it is to be a member of parliament in Africa. Um, How did it feel going from being a member of parliament to being a refugee, going from earning a certain amount of money, which definitely was not $6 something, less than $7 an hour, to earning less than seven dollars an hour, how did it? How did you? How did you cope with it mentally? So it was shocking, <laughs> but also motivating, because I say yes. Now I am in a safe place where I can learn, where I can share my experience. Because I did move uh, from one level to another one. It took me seven years, if I can tell to feel like accepted and the people trusting that I am capable to lead and, and to share my managerial skills. But um, I think it's a journey. And also what I do, I say, my why now is bigger than how I got here because um, I can now make 
a global impact. I can just do, uh, when I was in Rwanda, I was serving a small community. Now I can serve a lot. Uh, it, it's, uh, and I had a chance also to see the professionals and the other successful people. The struggle, everybody has a struggle. Everybody has a struggle. So, but how do we respond to that adversity? I would say that our uh, adversity is our daily companion. So, um, it it was uh, an experience. And now I'm seeing what I did get from that and what I learned from it and how it can serve. Yeah, Yeah, it's easy. It's Mm. easy to see what you got from it when it's mm. over mm. um now mm. looking back you can you can smile you yeah. can be thankful about certain things but at that point in time you were going through it what what did you feel like it i was scared i was uh, disoriented and i was uh, also angry because um mm. Uh, all the things and my dreams and losing everything you invested in for more than 40 years, leaving the calves behind and coming and going by feet in the cold weather, all mm-hmm. those things. Uh, but God had in store many things through that suffering and the uh, hard journey. I know uh, the miracles were at the other side, and, and I had to wait to meet them. And also, I want to tell you that my dream as a parent, I wanted my children to go to college and graduate. And have they done that? Yes, yes. When I awesome. fled, I didn't know that it will happen, but now they are independent professionals in different careers, and they are giving forward to this nation. So, awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. That calls for celebration. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and if you're not comfortable about answering this, that's fine. Do you have plans of ever going back to Rwanda? I, I'm hopeful that one day I will go. I pray. Um, do you still feel um, scared? Or is when you think of Rwanda now, how do you feel? Oh, okay. When, when you in the past, when you think of Rwanda, how did you feel? And now, when you think of Rwanda, how do you feel? As I told you, I had to let things go. Uh, at the very beginning, before I forgave, of course, I was just angry. <laughs> and, and I know people who made this happen. Um, mm-hmm. But after, after I forgave them, I feel... You know, I, I, I have different ways of contributing to um, uh, the well-being of people I may know who are there because uh, you can build relationship, you can educate people about that country because I do still, it's my motherland. I, I have to, to love it and to, uh, sometimes we listen to the news and you can see how the development is, what are the challenges there, but mostly I focus on here. <laughs> I focus on what I do now. Mm. So if I hear you correctly, um, mm. forgiveness really played a major role in your healing. Yes. 
Yes. It's, 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 a lot of us are not able to, even when we think we've forgiven and mm-hmm. we remember the person or the situation, it all comes back, the anger, the resentment, everything comes back. So you don't feel that anymore. I don't feel that anymore. I happen to separate the people from evil doing. So um, I say, God, how come this happened? You know, if there are false allegations and things like that. So what did they gain? You know, at the end of the day, they didn't gain anything. So uh, I happen to understand that we are all good, but evil is making us being bad people sometimes. So I let it go and I forgave those ones who are alive or who are deceased. And I don't have any resentment against them. And I publicly forgive them. So if somebody... Oh, really? Will listen, how, did you, yes. how did you do that? So I, like the podcast like this, I, I just say, hey, I cannot talk to you, um, but they can listen to this. And, uh, okay. and also I, I did write some letters, you know, uh, for people who wronged me. To just say, hey, I forgive you that's, because that's, you did this. That's, that is really good. That is really good. And must I mean that takes a lot. That it takes, does. It takes a lot. Yeah. It takes a lot to write to someone that obviously hurts you mm. and is still hurting you, probably unrepentant. And you're saying to the person, I forgive you. Wow. Yeah. And this is why uh personally I want to contribute to the healing of Americans because there are many wounds people are still having around the slavery, the injustice and the inequities. So, so do I you think have, my experience can help that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have um, Rwandans, other Rwandan refugees? That yeah, mean, I have. That, that I know. Either mentor or work with or yeah, uh, we have uh, uh, Rwandans and Burundians. Yeah, I mentor them locally and I help them to connect to the community, but also to show them the way they can integrate yeah. and be successful. Awesome, awesome. Mm. So you're giving back somehow and you haven't totally detached yourself from your um, original people, from your base. No, and I'm part of uh, a national organization, the Refugee Congress, which is uh, an advocacy, nonpartisan organization. So we try to get to put together strategies and uh, invite people to be uh, equal partners around the tables where they are discussing issues about refugees and immigrants. So they, being a refugee became like part of my identity, and I have to 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 use that identity to advocate uh, for people who are struggling like I struggled because I understand the pain, the struggle overseas, but also locally. Okay. So if there are any refugees listening to this podcast, what would be your advice to them? My advice would say, don't give up because there is light after darkness. And also I would say, learn the skills as much as you can and use your skills and your gift as well. And uh, live your faith. 
because our spiritual, we are all having spiritual rituals. Use those ones and try to go out of the box and talk about it, make friends, you know? And also I want to say that uh, uh, even though there are people who are against refugees, there are many who are pro-refugees. Mm -hmm. yeah. So don't be discouraged by those few people who uh, are not welcoming because many are. And uh, make sure you surround yourself with people who are positive and uh, keep um, uh, keep just hoping that uh, one day uh, you will heal and you will help others and your children. If you have children, they have greatness uh, and uh, a good future for them ahead of time. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's such good advice. I hope any refugee listening to it, um, it comes in handy. By the way, and some the of those... Some of the tips you gave even applies to non-refugees as well, like surrounding yourself with positive people. That's very, very important. And I think also probably there are politicians or decision makers who listen to your podcast. I just wanted to tell them to treat refugees as human beings like them. Uh, the circumstances they are in, they didn't create it. Yeah. And yeah. I want uh, to pray for leaders and uh, uh, and heads of state. And I did, I, I have recommendation. I would like to, if you read the book, you can give me the uh, feedback, but I have some recommendation I'll, for refugees. I'll certainly, I'll certainly yes. go on Amazon to look for it. Yes. So um, I want to tell leaders, if you committed to the refugee convention, I know many friends in Africa, they cannot work. While the countries where they are, uh, they committed to the Refugee Convention, I just want uh, to people to walk the talk. If you have those laws and policies, please, please do implementation because you never know. Today is me, tomorrow yeah, it can yeah. be you. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, Josella. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You've shed so much in such a short time. Thank you. And I wish you all the best in your endeavors. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Thrive with Omu podcast. This is your host, Omu Obilo. Thank you.